Today's Coffee Connection is another musical episode. I chatted with Alexander Liebermann, a current DAD scholarship recipient and a German-French composer. My name is Hanni Geist. Welcome to Coffee Connections. Alexander is originally from Berlin and is now at the Manhattan School of Music, where he pursues a doctoral degree. He shares three of his recent pieces that show his talent as a composer. Have a listen. My name is Alexander Liebermann and I'm a composer. I am half French, half German, and I am in New York uh, since 2013. And what do you do in New York? So I'm in my last uh, year of doctoral studies at Manhattan School of Music. And yeah, I'm a composer. I write and I teach. What did we just hear? So this is an excerpt from my first film music that I composed for a documentary called Frozen Corpses, Golden Treasures. So it is not officially released yet, but... So we're uh, getting a sneak peek of the exactly. music that you're going to hear. Exactly. You said you are pursuing your PhD. So I'm actually not doing a PhD, but I'm doing a DMA, which is abbreviated for a Doctoral of Musical Arts. And... Yeah, so it's, I'm currently working on my thesis, actually, which is about Erwin Schuhoff, a composer that I absolutely adore and that not many musicians know about. So I'm kind of excited about it, too. But yeah, so the program, you know, you have to like, you have classwork, you have to write a thesis, you have to write an orchestra piece, um, you have to pass language exams, which luckily I am exempt. Yeah, so comprehensive exams as well. It is uh, quite substantial. Before I ask you more questions um, about what you're doing right now, why don't you take me back where you started with your musical career? How far am I supposed to go back? <laughs> as far as you want. Just uh, I'm, I'm always curious, like where, when musicians started, how, how young they were and, and, and what they did initially. And since you don't play one, just one instrument as a composer, you have to know a lot of instruments. I'm curious where you started. I'm born in a musical household. So my father is a musician. My mother is a classical music aficionado. She loves classical music. Um, my grandfather, so from my mother's side, loved classical music as well. And my father's father was a musician as well. So you didn't really have a choice, but become uh, yeah. a musician, composer. Yeah, somewhere you're right. You know, like some of my earliest memories have music in it. As far as I can go back, I remember as a kid waking up one morning and hearing my father play some of the Bach cantatas, you know, in the, in the room next door. And uh, I was playing with the train, I remember, and this somehow one of my earliest memories. It's a really beautiful memory. Mm. And um, obviously, I wanted to be like uh, my father and started playing the violin at age two. So I, th I think there is a picture. Were, of you, me, were uh, you like, how big is the violin and how, uh, how does that how, work? minuscule tiny um but yeah, I have uh, a, my daughter is almost now one and a half years old and I can't imagine her 
well holding a violin maybe but just like playing it and really interacting with it i can't re i don't remember really playing it but uh i there are pictures of me holding the violin you know and trying to play some open strings at age two two and a half which is um funny and yeah i played for a long time i played in youth orchestras i even toured with this youth orchestra but it wasn't really my instrument so with age 15 16 you know the difficult years i <laughs> also switched to the viola and i started playing the piano because at the same time so what's was, uh, for someone who's not very well versed in like musical instruments what's the difference between the violin and the viola so the viola is basically the in between uh, the instrument in between the violin and the cello Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's uh, you still play it like a violin. You hold it, uh, putting it on on your shoulders, um, but it's uh, tuned a fifth lower, so it's it, the sound is a little bit deeper, and it has a very warm sound. Mm -hmm. um, not as warm as the cello, of course, because it's even deeper, but um, mm -hmm. in between. You know, it uses a different key too, and so forth. So you have to get adjusted to it. The for the fingers, it's very different as well. But yeah, at the same time, I also like discovered my passion for composition and it came mostly through uh, film music. And what's your favorite film music? Uh, I, I'm sure there are there are a number, but if you if you were to name one or two, what's your favorite? There's composers I like a lot. So, for example, there is obviously the big ones like uh, John Williams and, um, you know, Ennio Morricone, but then also um, one of my ultimate, probably my most favorite composer, film music composer is Bernard Herrmann, um, the one who scored all the soundtracks for Hitchcock, or most of them, mm -hmm. and just incredible composer. He, you know, he wrote everything himself, orchestrated himself. It's just great music. I listened to a lot of these composers at that age too, and because I loved film too, and I wanted to do the same. So, you know, write music. And in order to get into uh, school, as a composer, you have to play the piano, and that's why I also mm. started playing piano at the same time. Around so you went 15. to like a musical school? I was part of a music, you know, music school, yeah, and um, they even, I was in what they call in German Studienvorbereitenden Abteilung, which is, <laughs> it's a very German word, I know, but like, it's basically the, almost like pre-college, but like, uh, not part of the university, but they prepare you for eventual studies. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of classes. I had like viola class, I had theory, ear training, uh, piano, um, composition. And then from then on, I really wanted to become a composer. So how did you now get from studying in Germany, or maybe you didn't even study in Germany somewhere else. How did you get to all the way now um, working on your doctorate here in the United States? Yes, it's actually, yeah quite some uh, journey. Um, <laughs> I wanted to study in uh, Berlin, um, which I did. I, so I, I did my bachelor's in Berlin at the Hans Eisler um, Conservatory. But um, the first year I was um, not accepted. So I studied one year of um, history and philosophy in Potsdam mm -hmm. University. So that's what I did before uh, studying music. And, um, but yeah, I kept it going. I I really wanted to. So the second year I got accepted, did my bachelor's in Berlin. And directly after the bachelor's, I went to New York to study at the Juilliard School. 
And I, I just wanted to like just point out that if you, you didn't get accepted into your school initially, but then you got accepted into Juilliard and that's an exceptional school. So maybe that's a lesson learned too. If Absolutely. you don't get accepted or you don't succeed first, doesn't mean that you won't ever succeed. And um, Juilliard is, I mean, that's a public knowledge and not like a cultural knowledge that Juilliard is an exceptional school. So congratulations. On yeah, yeah, yeah. Into that. Thank you. I remember working a lot, 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 lot together into that school. Like, uh, so maybe just for for someone because I know I, probably a lot of people have heard of Juilliard because it's referenced in movies. And so what is that like to get into um, Juilliard and, and the, applying to the program? the process or the so i mean i had met my teacher from juliet beforehand in germany so samuel adler because he gives um his master classes in he used to give master classes every year in berlin and i met him at the philharmonie one day and i asked him if i could join and audit his classes and he was very affable and said like sure you know uh, join uh, join us and so I came as a guest auditor and listened to the other composers uh, present their work and him speak. And it was very, um, you know, um, how to say inspiring. And I did this for like five years or six years. Every summer I would go and audit some mm. of his classes. And after six years, I dared show him some <laughs> of my music. Um, and I've, I remember him looking at this and being very, um, how to say, very direct. And I remember listening, <laughs> listening to my uh, string quartet and saying, don't you get sick of that D here? Like change it. And uh, and I remember being like, oh my God, oh no, this is off to a bad start. Uh, <laughs> and, but in the end he said, you know what? Um, apply to Juilliard where I teach. Who knows what's gonna happen, but um, you should uh, consider applying there. So that's what I did and eventually got in. So. I don't want to speak about the, um, uh, admin, you know, the the process of getting into the exams. And too, stuff. too traumatizing. They were very intimidating. <laughs> I remember having a very tough time there. But um, did you return to Germany, or did you go straight from Juilliard to where you're now with your doctorate? So no, I I stayed in the U.S. after my masters at Juilliard. I had a year of OPT which is an extension of your students, mm -hmm. a visa that allows you to stay basically in the, in, the, in the US. In that year, I prepared myself to get into Manhattan School of Music. Looking ahead into the future, are you planning on staying in the US? Or like, I mean, that's often a bad question. Like, what are you gonna do afterwards? Like, I always hated that question, but. <laughs> I used to hate that question. No, I'm just embracing it because I don't know. Mm. I don't know. And um, there are so many unexpected things that can happen. And especially now, I mean, I don't want to study more. That's for sure. Like, I'm done. Like, uh, some people say, you know, you have to continue. And like, especially if you want to go back to Germany, it's good maybe considering doing another master and something else. <laughs> it's like, no, I have a doctorate. I'm done. <laughs> exactly. I am done teaching. That's how far it's going to get. And who knows, you know, maybe... Um, I'll start somewhere teaching at a university, maybe not, maybe at a music school. Um, I don't know. But what I want to do for sure is um, keep writing music because that's my real passion. 
you know, a lot of positions at universities require either a PhD or a, dog, a DMA, what, what I'm doing. So basically that is uh, almost like a entry card ticket into that world. Um, I love teaching. I obviously love teaching. At the moment, I'm teaching ear training and music theory at Juilliard's preparatory division. Um, ear training sounds Hyper. fun. What do you what do you teach or what do what do you learn when you uh, take a class in ear training? Yeah, we don't lift weights with our ears. That's uh, <laughs> not what it is. But we um, basically it's you know to train the ear uh, listening to different amounts of information and I identifying frequencies. So for example, if I play you two notes, you'll be telling me what interval it is. Um, then I can play you three, four different kind of notes at the same and you would tell me what kind of chords they create. And so it's like, you know, there's like a gradual uh, progress that you can do or like, there's a lot of things one can learn in that. So if you start by listening to a lot of chords, you'll be lost. But if you start mm -hmm. by listening to intervals and slowly to third, to a chords, triads, and then seventh chords and so forth, you can start recognizing patterns of these frequencies and eventually hear large chords, orchestral textures and be like, mm -hmm. oh, that's a half diminished seven with something chords above it. So there's definitely, you can definitely train it. And of course, melodic dictation, harmonic dictation and so forth, rhythmic dictation. Mm -hmm. It is a kind of scary class, especially when I took it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at Juilliard and stuff, they, these are scary, uh, can be scary classes because everybody's different. Everybody has different fortes. You know, some people are really good at rhythms. Some are really good at identifying seven chords. Now that I teach it, I, and you know, I had fun too. And that's, and I remember learning a lot. And when I teach it, I kind of want to make it fun too, because that's what it's about in the end. You said you're, you're German and French, like how did you grow up in France too and, and get the French culture or did you mostly uh, grow up in, in Germany? I mostly grew up in Germany, but I went to a French school too. Mm -hmm. And this is probably the most beautiful gift I received from my parents, like this kind of um, bicultural mm -hmm. education, because we always changed our time in between Berlin and the south of France. And these where my grandparents are from. And my parents will also speak both languages, you know, so they would always like speak both with me too. And mm -hmm. my mom is very well versed in a philosophy and all this um, culture. So I kind of got all these like French education <laughs> with it too. And very, very beautiful gifts, you know, to know what it's like to be German in, in Germany, but also French in France. It's, I always thought it's a natural thing, you know, so, mm -hmm. but um, it's, it's not, and I'm very thankful for that. But there's also a funny fact, it's like when I'm in, in Berlin for a long time, I mm -hmm. really start to feel French, be like, oh, I, I think I'm more French. And when I'm in France for like too long, I'll be like, <laughs> I think I am more German. Um, and now that you're in the US, that, that's got even, that gets even more interesting. So how does that feel? You know, this is something I, uh, I recommend to a lot of people is like to uh, step away from their country to see what's really good about it, uh, like um, a change in perspective. And I've really come to realize what's amazing about France and Germany or Europe stepping away from it. And so that was quite um, a change for me too. you know, to suddenly realize, wow, Germany has these, these things that are great that I've never realized. And France has these, these, these things that are great that I've never realized. And um, so stepping away from, from your country is definitely a plus. 
I, I have that now every day with my work. I studied in Germany. I studied at the Free University Berlin. And while I definitely appreciated it, and now on the other end, first of all, tuition fees is one big thing. I don't have any student debt, but exactly. now learning more about the university system and the research system, it's, it's amazing. The funding that's available, the education that where you don't have to pay thousands and ten thousands more dollars to get an education. I definitely exactly. appreciate that a whole lot more than when I was just a student in Germany. So with, with the program where you're at, is that also very international? You as a German, French student, are there, is that mostly Americans or is that very international program where you're at? Um, you know, music is the, the international language. language. Guess, and this is also represented in uh, mm -hmm. the students that come study, I think in every conservatory around the world. But yeah, in Berlin, where I studied in uh, at Juilliard at Manhattan School of Music, it's a very wide palette of nationalities. Mm -hmm. Where you have, I think, a lot, a lot. The entire world is represented somehow. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering, do you have anything contemporary that you also enjoy? Uh, you do a lot with like classical music and, and composing. Is there some like contemporary artist that's not classical music or? something that in uh, you listen in, to oh oh yeah i'm oh my god I'm, I'm not listening just to like classical music or film music uh day after day no 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 <laughs> um i i i like everything that's well done and i think there's a raison d'être for um every genre of music so it's reason to be a reason to be right so i don't know like everything I used to listen to Eminem which I loved and uh, I used to listen to a French rap band called Mano but then I love jazz music I mm -hmm. love I don't know I love uh, film music I love blues I love oh my god rock and roll I love metal maybe that's uh, that's also makes a good composer with all these influences I hope you're right <laughs> um, uh, which brings me actually to the next sum that you wanted to share. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Because that's a bit unusual and, and very interesting. I have to go back a little bit too for that. So during the early days of the pandemic, I discovered a new passion of mine, which is um, birdsong. Um, it is kind of related to travels I did before just Right before the pandemic, I traveled to Costa Rica. I slept in the jungle, saw animals. I didn't know. I'm sorry, what? You slept first. in the jungle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd like to know more about that. That sounds really interesting. <laughs> Maybe we could create an own podcast for that. <laughs> sleep in the jungle <laughs> with a composer. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I was very close to, to nature. And then I went to Puerto Rico where I swam with turtles. And then literally I come back to New York and I flee to Berlin um, because of, of COVID. And then suddenly you're quarantined, I'm at home and you have this contrast that I wasn't really aware by the time. And I started listening to a lot of animals, sounds and vocalizations. And I started notating them down to music. And um, so, I, this was incredibly inspiring to discover, you know, all these sounds that you presumably know, right? You know mm -hmm. what a humpback whale sounds like, but when you really focus intensively with it and you start noting it down, you discover it's like opening a, a, the door to Narnia. You know, I like to use it <laughs> as a metaphor because 
you you can't believe it what you hear sometimes so it's spine tingling so also bird songs any kind of animals wolves and um birds were really inspiring. So um, I notated a lot of, of bird songs, you know, from cuckoos to the musician ran to even um, birds from uh, the, uh, from Central America, like uh, the Oropendola and so forth, which is also in South America. But um, yeah, and then I started to implement some of the songs in my music as well. So now mm. I'm coming to these contrapuntal tweets and-, and um, What does that mean? Yeah, so basically, um, I wrote a fugue based on, on some bird song. Mm -hmm. So a fugue is a musical genre in which you have two or more voices that complement each other. So this fugue I wrote, Contrapuntal Tweets, has two voices that are based on uh, tweets of birds. So, you know, you have like the cuckoo motif, every now and then you have um, lines that I've taken directly out of uh, Nightingale mm -hmm. in that too. Um, and they all, they have one motif that comes back all over again, different, you know, inversions, retrogrades, uh, augmentations, uh, different kinds of um, modifying melodies, if you want. Yeah, so it turns out to be a more fun piece. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> you're living in the US, you're now immersed in the culture. What has been the best experience for you? It's a very broad question, I know. It is a very broad question. <laughs> um, I think, all in all, if I think back, I've met incredible people here. Mm -hmm. um yeah incredible people and i'm very thankful for all the connections i've, I've made here it's also 
in contrast to what one might think, it's a very um, melancholic city in some ways though. And this is also tough. You know, so there's like goods. The good aspect is that everybody comes to New York at some point, mm -hmm. you know, all the great artists at some point like come here and uh, the cultural input of the city is just huge. Like you really- Which uh, just just as a as a side note, I thought it was funny that you just mentioned that and you've got the typical New York, like sirens coming in and oh, yeah, <laughs> from the back, outside, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so no, that's great. So, you know, you have, you can listen to the greatest artists, orchestras. They all come here at some point and play at Carnegie Hall or wherever. And, but then this, this, other aspect is of New York is that it's a transitionary city, you know, mm. so people come and go. And if you stay here, you kind of see that life come and go. You know, there's a feeling that it kind of can hurt to some extent, like um, mm. can make it look very sad. You know, I've had like some of my best friends who I lived here for years are gone now. Mm. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a transitionary city, I think. Where are you actually from in Germany? I don't think I asked that yet. Are you um, from Berlin? I'm born in Berlin. I'm actually born a couple of months before the wall fell. So I'm born in West Berlin. See, and that's actually another interesting conversation because I was born in East Berlin. Wow. Um, if the you, other side of the wall. Yeah, so a few more years earlier than that. I was born in 82. Um, but is there something that you miss we talked about that earlier that you really only appreciate your home when you move away mm. and, and you get that distance. What is it in Germany that you miss? Well, um, we already spoke about it a little bit, right? Like um, the, um, the education, the, also the, the fact that for artists, you know, there's so much that the state does. Here, most of it is private, every, to not say everything. It just changes a lot, this alters everything. You know, to know that orchestras are, are paid by the state, to know mm. that um, there's lots of money being given to composers to write music and foundations and so forth. This is just great. So Germany does a lot for the arts. And uh, I definitely came to like realize this <laughs> when I came here and admire this and really like respect it. And you did get a DAD scholarship. So this is I, how we got connected because your DAD scholarship recipient. Exactly. So and, the and, German exchange service like paid basically my studies here, which I am obviously very, very grateful for. Because you know a lot of people from around the world. And when you say Berlin, you're from Berlin. Uh, people probably ask you like, well, what should I see in Berlin? Because everyone knows it, but I, uh, what would something be like that's maybe not as well known that you would want to share people go to? Yeah, so I'm, I'm not gonna answer by saying Berghain, okay? I'm not gonna <laughs> say that. <laughs> well, for always... someone who's not familiar with Berghain, what I, is Berghain? Well, it's like probably the most famous club in the world, uh, known among others for like crazy nights. Um, um, yeah, no, I actually is... lived like five minute walk away and I've never been because it's just not <laughs> what I what I enjoy. But it's funny that I really live uh, just in five minute walking distance. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's no, I'm saying this because every time I mention that I'm from Berlin here, a lot of times I get the response like, oh, you have you have been <laughs> oh, to really? Berkheim. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> New Yorkers know about it. No, so not Berkheim. Um, 
what you should go see to Berlin. Well, I mean, if you're into uh, music, you should definitely step inside the Berlin Philharmonic Hall and other halls too, you know, like they're really, really beautiful halls in, in Berlin. Then museums, oh my God, crazy beautiful, like a lot. I mean, we have an entire island with museums. Mm -hmm. um, and um, some of the parks, I mean, some of the parks and lakes are just great. So if you go in the summer, you know, nightingales are all over the place. And mm -hmm. if you find like a spot, like in Treptor Park, or something like that, it's just great. You can just stay an entire day there. And, you know, there's an, a small island within Treptor Park called uh, Insel der Jugend. So the island of youth, where mm -hmm. you can just drink beer, uh, eat some Flammküche and, um, you know, do some kayaking or whatever. It's just Oh my God, I've done so all of those beautiful. things and I, I agree. No, I'm, and, and I think that's one of the differences and that's what I really miss is uh, Berlin in the summer with all the outdoor activities and all the oh, parks. Yeah. And I mean, people barbecuing in the park, just bringing some uh, some blankets, some good food and just sit outside and uh, play beautiful. games and yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly the feeling you're describing. <laughs> you know, it's a very unique feeling in Berlin, yeah. right? To, to lie on, on one of those lawns, like on the grass, in the middle of a huge park. And sometimes there's not many people around. Yeah. And like you're surrounded by trees and a lake. Yeah, it's been three years now that um, I've been to Berlin. And that's certainly Berlin in the summer is what I really miss. Yes. Berlin in the winter, not so much. <laughs> exactly. So that we, 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 we forgot to mention that point which is very important if you go to berlin go um, in the summer yeah springtime is beautiful and the summer is beautiful and if uh, december is nice with the christmas markets but you just can't you can't go to christmas markets every day all day <laughs> no that's true but it's still it has a very uh warm feeling to yeah it. and december. they're they're really great Christmas markets, especially some that have like very unique craft arts and crafts and of course really good food. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we should say when not to go to Berlin, which is probably January, February. So are there any things besides like the the culture and the people? Is there something like food that you miss oh, from? Um, I mean, let's be honest. Germ Germany is not necessarily known for its culinary uh, delights um, i miss the bread though i love in san francisco we got exactly, good bread but <laughs> exactly exactly german bread is really good mm -hmm. german bread is and inexpensive i yesterday i bought a loaf of bread which is really really tasty but it was six dollars i mean this is also the bay area but... no 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 you're right i mean here a baguette in new york is very expensive too and then it's not a real great baguette so no but German you got bread. the bagels. The bagels are good. Bagels are good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no. Like I'm, I miss a lot, you know, especially like um, that you can also buy a lot of good ingredients for cheaper mm -hmm. and then make better food. So this is definitely something that I miss too. Yeah. This might sound ridiculous, you know, but like a, a little pack of Philadelphia cream cheese is like $5. Yeah. Yeah. I remember as a student, I mean, to be fair, that was 10, 11 years ago, but my first apartment was 300 euros, like my, my own apartment, mm. maybe even less. And I bought groceries for the whole week for maybe 30 euros. And I had vegetables and, and like other really healthy 
ingredients. And here, when I buy groceries, it's a lot more expensive. And whenever we share that there is funding available through DAD to also cover the living expenses, if I'm in the Bay Area, I always have to say, these are the prices in Germany. So this is a really great stipend. Uh, but if you were just to say, this is how much you get in the yeah. Bay Area, like I can't even get an apartment, not even a shared room for the money that you would get. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's crazy. Coming back to music. Finally, Erwachen is a piece that we're going to share here at the end of this conversation. What can you share about that piece? So this piece was commissioned to me in 2019 or 18 by um, the members of the Deutsche Oper Berlin. So it was premiered in Berlin. I think it was in 2019 or 2020. I don't remember now. So, um, but well, the last three years are kind of a blur, I think, for everyone. Exactly. But yeah, the, the topic was night and dreams, to write mm -hmm. something about night and dreams. And I mixed it um, with uh, something about climate change, because it's something that I'm, you know, very concerned about. It's something I'm concerned about mm -hmm. and, you know, to raise awareness generally, but I'm an optimistic person. So that piece has also a very optimistic note, especially towards the end. So it's a monodrama, it's for soprano and five instruments. It's the story of a little girl that walks down the street, it's in the future, and she sees destruction all around her, and I'm not going to spoil you what she sees, but basically she realizes suddenly that um, this is the result of her ancestors' indifference about climate change, you know, that they didn't act. So everything seems hopeless, but in the end, wakes up and realize, oh, it was all just a dream and we're in the present and we can still change things. So you get the idea of the, basically the urge to act sooner than later, but still saying that it's not too late, there's time. Thank you. 
how would someone find your music? Do you have a website? Do you have a social media? Yeah, I'm uh, on Instagram, on SoundCloud and YouTube, where you can listen to most of it, I think, on YouTube. This was my Coffee Connection with Alexander Liebermann. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and the music as much as I did. All content is created and edited by me, Honey Geist. If you would like to get in touch, send an email to geist at did.de. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you at the next coffee break.